It is Six Pack Lapidat. Um, today, we got Paul Maranzan co-hosting and my man, Matt Gary, who often is on these shows, um, you know, a, a frequent, pretty much co-host at this point. Yeah. You know, and uh, a contributor at the very least, a frequent contributor. And um, we got a... Definitely a frequent flyer. Definitely. He's racking up some frequent flyer miles. Um, we uh, we got a, a big guest on today, uh, figuratively and literally, probably the biggest name in powerlifting, um, possibly the strongest powerlifter alive, possibly the strongest powerlifter of all time, um, Paul Maranzan. Thank you for joining, Paul. Thank you. We also have <laughs> yeah. Ray Williams, and, uh, and we're excited about it. Um, now, there's been some shakeup. Right before we went on the air, uh, Matt had just mentioned... Um, the, the nominations slightly slightly changed. Now, we are all uber excited, and I want to ask Ray's perspective on this because it's got to be tough when you get excited to have a showdown and, and it shakes up on you. But two big names are now omitted. Um, the two juniors who are big rivals in the juniors, Luke Richardson and Pavlov uh, from the Ukraine, amazing competitors. Everyone's really excited about them. Both of them were saying they're coming into the world's both of them are saying they're going into the open. And unfortunately, Pablo never made it on the nominations and Luke had to pull out due to what he's saying now, um, a hip injury to, to the squat. Now, we had been talking, uh, Matt, just a couple days ago, and we have been saying how um, he wasn't on nominations. I had asked him privately um, what was going on. He said he was injured, but didn't get into detail. Everybody noticed he wasn't on the nominations. So I got so many messages from people saying, Hey man, do you know what's up? Do you know what's up? And I'm like, not really my story to tell. So I don't want to start, you know, the rumor mill. I'm going to let him come out first. But um, apparently it's a hip injury. And like we thought, we had mentioned, we seen him pull a huge deadlift, 400 kilo. Uh, he had been benching. So we thought, you know, but you can get injured like that. Going into nationals. My dad was, I pulled a national record dead. My dad, everything was fine except for my squat because of my hip. I had a hip injury and um, the other lists were good. Turns out the exact same case with Luke. That's why uh, you seen him deadlifting and um, you haven't seen a squat in a little while. And that's too bad. Well, what are your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, it's very, un it's very unfortunate. I mean, any, anytime that somebody drops out, regardless of what their story is, I mean, we're, we're all competitors as lifters and as coaches. And, and I think, you know, um, a high tide raises all boats, so to speak. And, and, and I think the best want to compete against the best. And so you're always sad to see when someone isn't able to make it for whatever reason, whether it's a federation issue or a personal issue or, or in this case with Luke, an injury, um, you never want to see that. And, and, and we wish him well, and we wish him, you know, the best of health and recovery. And, uh, and I really hope that he comes back stronger than ever, quite frankly. Yeah. But, but he will definitely be missed. Uh, I know that last year, the super heavyweight class, uh, the 120 pluses was down a little bit in terms of, uh, uh, attendance, so to speak. And so I think it's, you know, it's good. I mean, that's a, that's a premier, class when when all the titans come in yeah and so uh we were certainly looking forward to having both pavlo and and luke uh but but it's not to be so i, I think we can still have a good competition and uh just wish uh, these guys well yeah it's it is it's tough because i was mentioning and here's why so many people i think were messaging uh king of lifts purposely because i for since like months have been talking about this like we had luke on here 
And yeah. Luke, Luke was like, "Oh, I can't wait." We, people got excited. I got, I got excited. Oh, yeah, Luke, we've, been, we've been hyping it for ages now. Luke called him out. After, even the Europeans, we did a recap of the European Championship, and even segued from the Pavlo uh, Richardson clash at the Europeans, saying that's almost a preview of what to expect at Worlds. These guys are gaining quick. So, um, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a, uh, it's a stitch disappointing because we've been pushing for so long this showdown. But, um, I mean, it's tough, man, because injuries happen, especially with the type of weight these boys are throwing around. We do have Jezza, and Jezza is a return that cannot be overlooked. Jezza is capable of squatting right into the over the 1,000 pounds as well. Um, uh, his, his deadlift's flying, got a big bench. Kelly on point. You never know what he could do. It's just because it was a shakeup that we hadn't seen, it was new blood. It was literally, if, if I was going to do a preview podcast of the 120 pluses, it would be like the new bloods. And that's almost what the conversation would generate towards is, oh my God, we have some new bloods in there. Um, so I'm trying not to be super disappointed about it, but it, because we've been hyping it so much about the new bloods, as soon as people noticed, I was like the first person, King of Lists, was getting flooded with DMs. What's up? Do you know what's up? What's going on? And I was like, ah. I can't say nothing. I don't want to say nothing until uh, Luke says it first. But um, like you said, I mean, it is what it is. It's the show's got to go on. I just hope, because when Luke was on the show, he had mentioned that he only saw himself doing one year in the open and then probably moving into strongman. And I hope we haven't seen the one and only opportunity and now he's going to continue with the strongman. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think, you know... It's it's safe to assume. I mean, he you know at the European um, Europeans this year with against Pavlo, you know he totaled ten ten point five, and I, I think he's still just scratching the surface, man. Yeah. When you watch his lifts, yeah, they all are, are textbook clean and just crisp, and it doesn't look like he's uh, redlining the engine, so to speak. And I think that all of us collectively just want to see him push a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. So that's. You know, that's not to say that he's sandbagging. I'm sure he's trying hard. But we all want to see him come out and, and uh, you know, take that car around the track at full speed, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> well, nice metaphor. So, it's true. Was, yeah. It's true. You're driving a Lambo. You're like, my man, I want to see you put the pedal down. Please. Yeah. Let me see yeah. it. That'd be exciting. So uh, so I certainly hope, uh, as I said, that he recovers uh, best of uh, strength and health to him. And I hope that he recovers. And I hope he does come back. Yeah. You know, uh, whether he goes in a strongman um, in the future or not, I think we we all would like to, you know, selfishly like to see him. One hundred percent. Push powerlifting. I want to. I want to seriously get a petition going. I will start a post and see how many people will like it, and I'll say if we get a thousand likes, Luke has to stay one more year. I want to do something <laughs> like that. I want to do something like that with King of Lifts to say um, because his progress from when he won the Junior Worlds in Calgary to the Europeans. I forget how many kilo he put on, but I stated it before when we were doing the preview show, saying it, it was a lot of kilo, and yeah, it wasn't it was about, and, it was about fifty kilos, and it wasn't it wasn't. I think I thought it might have been was, sixty or seventy. I thought it was higher than fifty. I thought yeah. it was somewhere. it was a lot, anyways. For the yeah, sake okay. of a for the sake of a good story, Matt, don't don't. I don't, thought it was around a thousand. Don't ruin a good story with facts, as they said. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're the wrong guy to say that to because you got all the facts. But um, but uh, if you if he every six months added. And obviously you slow down a little, but at his age, when I seen him in Calgary, I, I, I shit you not, he had the body of a, a Titan, as you had said, but the face, uh, he's still the boyish face. You could tell he's young 
He's young. His yeah. progress, like when he's full on man, and he's like he's like a more of a grizzly man. It will be scary. I think if 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 nothing else, if he comes back in the open, it might actually be perfect timing. This year, maybe he wouldn't have been ready. Maybe a blessing in disguise. Maybe this is the old not yet young man. Um, and if and if you go in there too soon and people see you lose, you lose a little steam and hype. If he pulls back a year, he's a year stronger. His progress is phenomenal. Comes in there full blown. Ah, oh, God, if he stays, who knows? We we might have the clash we all hoped for, you know, even bigger than we could have imagined. And sure. um, I think the fact that his dead is so big, it keeps the interest. Here's the problem. When you're facing Ray, I have to, and when I say I have to, I'm assuming a lot of viewers have to believe you're capable of some amazing pull to maybe pull some magic out. And almost everybody Ray faces, he can out-pull. So once he gets a head-on squats... Is there anybody that out-pulls Ray in the class? No. No. That's what no. I thought. So that's no, the he problem. Has the biggest deadlift as well. So that's where I need to believe in this. I need to believe if Ray misses a dead and you hit yours. And with Luke, in a year's time, who knows? Who knows what if, if his squats up, his bench is up, and his deadlift, which is now... We just seen him pull 400 kilo. Okay, he right. pulled, that's 881 now. A year from now, if he goes into the 900s, and he'd be the first to do so, classic, raw. We, we could start believing. The, the drums will start beating, and we could start believing, and it could be like, who knows? If Ray, you know, if Ray, if Ray only has an opener squat like he has sometimes, maybe we got ourselves a battle, you know, and it, it makes that, you know, we have a battle. And Ray, Ray needs a battle, like, you know, Sports are are made off of uh, rivalries. That's why Muhammad Ali. I love Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is known because everyone knows his his wars with Joe Frazier, George Foreman. Without Frazier and Foreman, there's no Ali. Yep. There's no Ali. Rocky Margiano. Yep. Tell me who Rocky Margiano beat. Nobody. That's yeah. why he's forty nine and zero, and everyone says he's unbeaten. But you can't tell me any rivalries he had because he, they were all old when he got in there. Not to turn this into a boxing sportscast but it's true um you know like certain guys you need larry holmes phenomenal heavyweight champion ali was gone tyson didn't come yet and and he was champ for seven years straight and he didn't have any rivalries and so he's kind of glossed over ray needs this he needs a guy it's 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 important right milestones are great the first man a thousand that's amazing He, he if he has a showdown and we all get excited behind it it's gonna make ray better it's gonna make ray bigger and it's going to make his legend bigger. Um, so it's good for Ray. It's good for, like you said, it's good for everybody. Uh, yeah, it's good for the sport. Yeah, and Ray yeah. also is that Lamborghini that we kind of want to see push. You know, I, it would it'd be interesting to see. So, um, yeah, I don't want to dwell too much on. A year. We don't want to do a preview show a year out. <laughs> this, is, this is a great year out. But I swear to God, I, I kid you not, if I find out Luke is thinking about leaving... I am doing petition. I'm having him on the show. We are, we're going to try to make it work. We're going to try yeah. to make it work. You know, give us one more year, young man. You, you got another 20 years in you. Uh, we'll see. For sure. We'll see. But, um, but, but that being said, I'm not joking when I say I'm ever so happy now for Jezza and Kelly. And I, you know, the thing with Jezza, he, he gets, I don't know if he's got the world's worst Wi-Fi, but he never posts. And, um, and, and we don't know what he's doing. I tried to have him on the podcast. His English isn't great, he said. So I asked, hey, man, I want, like, I want the fans to know about you. So maybe yeah. this is time as we wait for Ray, maybe this is time for me to tell some fans a little bit about Jezza. 
Because he sure. actually, this is what he did. He messaged me a bunch of his like like bio background. Um, and I was like, no, no, no. I think you misunderstand, my friend. I want people to hear your story on the podcast. And he goes, oh, no English though. And I go, I go, uh, you got friends who could? He goes, no, nah, no, nah, not real. I was like, ah, I was like, okay, okay. So just so people who don't know that Jez is a guy, I guess he started off as a boxer, which holy smokes, wow. I'd love to see. Yeah, I would love to see some video of that competitive boxer who had yeah, fights and everything. And um, he started weightlifting to bulk up in weight class, add a little power onto his punches, which is kind of a scary thought. And, uh, but he was a much smaller man at the time, apparently. And then um, weightlifting training for boxing of all sports, um, they started noticing how strong he was. And a friend that he was weightlifting with in the same gym talked him into a powerlifting competition. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he might have even fought and had a powerlifting competition the same day and won That's- both. Unreal. It won both. Punched a couple dudes out in the heavyweight division and then took the heavyweight title on powerlifting. I am absolutely gassed at the end of a powerlifting competition. You throw me in the ring with another animal with gloves on, that's te- that's crazy. But that just shows you like the type of heart this guy has, competitor this guy is. Yeah. Um, so, we won a pow- so we won a boxing tournament and then he won a powerlifting competition at the same time. And then um, eventually he just started getting so crazy strong. People like nobody, we don't know anyone who's, who's put up numbers like you. Stopped boxing, started eating, putting on weight, and the numbers kept moving. Basically, the rest is history, my friend. And for those who don't know it, he was the first under international rule set to squat a thousand pounds. Enough. He, he right his his world record because Ray did it at the Raw Nationals, um, and I believe Jezza did it at a at a Oceana. If that is that, yeah, that, is that not right? That that's that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, I mean, obviously, Ray was the first to squat a thousand. It's it's whoever squats a thousand pounds first. The U.S. Raw Nationals isn't yeah. exactly a small competition. It isn't exactly in the backwoods where nobody could see it, so you'd question depth and stuff. There's no question. But um, yep. but just given an interesting point in terms of Jezza, what he's done, and, and how he's right there in the mix with these fellas. So um, I'm glad Jezza's back. Um, he adds a little element. He can squat close to Ray. Uh, he's got a big bench. Kelly can bench probably the biggest. But, yeah, no, um, Kelly's got the biggest bench out of the three. But yeah, yeah no, Jez is right there. Talking about bench, what'd you think about TD Williams taking 300 kilo, 661 pounds? What the, uh, what, he's a world heavyweight, IPF world heavyweight bench press champion once again. He went for 700, official. He won a 700 in the IPF. He wanted to be the first. Um, missed 700. It, it was a big ask. He took a big jump. That's a 40 pound jump, but. I guess when it's relative to that, it's not as crazy. Uh, what'd you think? Did you happen to see that bench? I did. Yeah, I thought uh, you know his opener looked fantastic, and and 300 looked solid. I mean, it certainly didn't look like he had another 18 kilos to me, but um, you know, I think uh, you know, I think the adrenaline and the environment probably uh, got got the best of him, and he wanted to aim for that big, huge milestone number, 700, and. Um, yeah, so congratulations to him. I mean, he was pretty much unchallenged in that division. I mean, I think he won with his opening attempt. Yeah, he's, so, just, he's just so, uh, and that's a uh, yeah, like he's, who can keep up with like numbers like that are ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, not to, and 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 not to take any shine off of him whatsoever. It's just, it just dating back to uh, in 1997, I believe it was 1996 or seven. It's 1997 at the USPF, who and that used to be the affiliate into the IPF before USAPL, I was in Philadelphia for our nationals and James Hollywood Henderson 
benched uh, 722, which is 327 and a half kilos. And that was with no wrist wraps. And that was, you know. No shirt? No, oh, no. That was raw. That was in a Hanes BFT. Are you kidding me? Wow. I'm not kidding you. And so. How big was this guy? Uh, How big was Hollywood Henderson? And I, can I also say I love the nickname Hollywood Henderson? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure what his body weight was, but I mean, he was, he was, he had to be over, you know, 185 kilos. I mean, he was 400 oh, plus. Wow. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So he's huge. But, uh, but yeah, he was absolutely huge and, uh, and a showman, of course. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he had on a wrist watch and came out there with no wrist wraps and actually took two attempts over 700 pounds. So, uh, which was quite amazing. Yeah. That's uh, so crazy. I think, I think he opened up at probably about 310, 683, and then just jumped over seven and then took a small jump to 722. And so that's some of the most amazing raw benching that oh, I've wow. ever seen. It just kind of puts it in perspective. I mean, Thomas Davis is obviously pushing the boundaries now of stuff yeah. that we haven't seen in a really, really long time, yeah. but you know, Hollywood Henderson doing this, you know, 20, 23 years ago is just amazing. This is like the Captain Kirk era. Were you, did you see guys like Captain Kirk? Well, so, <laughs> did you see true, them lift? Yeah, true story. I mean, I, so I used to train at, at, at the gym with Kirk. I mean, Kirk is my wife's ex-boyfriend. Oh, wow. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. So how many, how many guys do you know who uh, have uh, posters of their wives' ex-boyfriends, you know, in the gym above the squat rack. You got to take so, that shit down, man. That's yeah, the yeah, past, so, man. So, no, Kirk and I are very good friends, and I see Kirk a couple times a year. And so I was there for a lot of his training back in the early and mid-'90s during his heyday, and it was literally just history in the making. It was absolutely unbelievable, it, it, just all, all the time. You see videos of these guys, and it's like yeah. I, I, I recently posted that 1,000 pounds for a double. For a double, yeah, yeah, just absolutely unfathomable. We so that the gym that he trained at was in Beltsville, Maryland. It was called Maryland Athletic Club, and Monday night was squat night around six o'clock. And there was a squat rack in the center of the main room there, and that was understood to be Kirk's squat rack. And so everybody knew that at six o'clock you move out of the way. That was his rack. People used to come, and, I, and I'm not kidding you, pay guest fees to this gym. They'd buy a day pass. And they would sit around the perimeter of the room and watch him train. That's insane. It's at, so it would, you know, and then, of course, this was way before the internet, way before social media, and so on and so forth. And people would just come and watch him, you know, in the last, you know, six to 10 weeks leading up to a, to a championship. So, you know, he was doing old style, old school progressive overload back then, you know, adding a little bit of weight each week and kind of reducing the reps. So it was, you know, You'd see him training four or five weeks over 900 pounds, hitting it for reps. And this is a man who weighed 125 kilos, 275. And how tall was he? Because he looks... Yeah, he's short, man. He's Like 5'7", right? Yeah, that sounds about right. 5'7"-ish, 5'8", something like that. Because I... I, I, That's insane. I think in an interview he said 5'7", and he's... If you see pictures, videos of him, he looks absolutely monstrous. I mean, like freakish, incredible Hulk... Ungodly! Yeah. How is this possible? Muscular? Yeah, you you simply can't pack more muscle onto that frame. No, I mean that that chassis is maxed out. That yeah. chassis is maxed five, out. Two seventy five yeah. for a bodybuilder at five seven is massive this day and age. Yeah. Well, well that's one twenty. So, was he two seventy five walking around, or did he cut to that? Because uh, old school he weight cut, classes. Not much. Okay. He really did. He didn't cut too much. I yeah. Um, you know, when he first started powerlifting. I mean, when he was younger, uh, before he, he, 
so when he first started, he was, I don't know, 110 kilos or something like that. And then he actually ballooned up to a super and got kind of soft, you know, was probably weighing 290, 300 pounds, something like that. And then he really made his mark when he dieted down to 125 kilos. And of course he won six consecutive IPF world titles, um, at 125. He even came down to 110 and won one at 110. Uh, cause there were some people talking trash. I'm not going to name names, but it's some people talking trash. And so it, he came it, down I, and cleaned up at 110, and then, you know, went back up to 125 it, just it, to make a statement. Is it the Larry Pacifico era as well? Uh, this was post Larry Pacifico. So okay. this was, this was around the same time as Ed Cohen and, you know, Kirk and Eddie were really good friends. And so, you know, I had the wonderful opportunity to see them both compete live on numerous occasions. Who would win? Just, who, did they ever face off head to head? Uh, Eddie and Kirk? Yeah. No, they were two different weight classes. So, when he moved down you know, to 110, though? Because Eddie's uh, smaller, right? Yeah, Eddie's smaller. Eddie's lighter. Eddie, yeah, the most that Eddie ever weighed, he competed as a 110, kind of as a light 110. I don't think he ever weighed a full 110. Okay. You know, which, makes, which makes it even more astounding that he squatted over 1,000 pounds, probably weighing about you know, 107, 108 kilo. So it's just unbelievable. Because he would yeah. didn't didn't he have some lifts where he'd outlift Kirk and some? Uh... Oh, absolutely. So, so yeah. So the story behind the 1995 Senior Nationals in Baton Rouge, uh, when when Kirk first squatted 455 kilos, a thousand three under IPF conditions, uh, he thanked Eddie. Eddie got hurt and had to pull out of the meet, and so Eddie would typically get the best lifter, of course, and Eddie would have the highest total in the meet. Or if anybody out-totaled him, it would be some super that outweighed him by 150 pounds, you know, who maybe beat him by 5 or 10 kilos. But typically, Eddie was lifting more weight than anybody else, you know, in the building, uh, regardless of weight class. But Eddie had to pull out of that meet, and, and, and there's footage of Kirk on the medal stand uh, kind of, you know, being very gracious, getting his medal. And he said, I want to thank Ed Cohn for getting hurt and not lifting at this competition. Because oh, it allowed wow. me to get the best lifter award. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah. It, it, when they would go toe-to-toe, obviously Eddie would always take the best lifter. And he had, like, they were just different planes. Because I think even head up absolute strength, sometimes Eddie could, would, could he outlift Kirk even then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, more often than not, in their heyday, Kirk would be a 125 and Eddie was competing around 100 kilos when Eddie was in his prime. So it was Eddie at 100 kilos, Kirk at 125, and Kirk would out-squat him, but, you know, not by that much. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until uh, Eddie went up to 110-kilo weight class that he squatted over a grand, and he did it a few times. Um, but, yeah, to your point, Eddie would even beat him in absolute strength. I mean, he certainly yeah, out him by, you know, significant, and the, and the bench was right there. It's just, it's just, yeah. I mean, you're talking about two of the absolute titans and gods of powerlifting, both of them, and and – and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that that they're both just amazing human beings. I mean, just phenomenal humans and, and people. So, what, what about, were you around to see uh, Larry Pacifico lift? I was not. I never saw Larry lift. Because no. he was kind of the guy before that was, was spoken of as though, was he not, the in terms of lineage of GOAT status and powerlifting, was he yeah. not the original guy everyone said, well, Larry's the GOAT. It's got to be yeah, Larry. Yeah, Larry was, and then it kind of shifted to maybe Mike Bridges after. Yeah, and then and then and then Eddie kind of came in on the on the tail end of Bridges' career a little bit, you know, mm. in terms of that. And so, and then Kirk and Eddie were kind of r- running things together, you know. And 
Dave Ricks and Gene Bell and all those guys, they competed back then too. I mean, that's Ricks has been around forever. I mean, we've talked about that many times. So Yeah. And um yeah. Uh, Bridges, I think, didn't he return in his fifties at the Arnold Classic and he made like he a comeback? He was he putting did. up some big numbers in the open. He did. He was amazing. Yeah, he came back and did some raw lifting at the Arnold and and was just unbelievable. I mean, that guy's a tank. Yeah. Some of these guys from the old school, they really were, it was like a weird, we had a clusters of generational lifters, I feel like. Um, and and I don't know if like, because we were on powerlifting, when I say we was on TV at one point with like yeah. beer, like sp- we had for real sponsors. Oh, so yeah. in terms of exposure and, and, and gaining talent, there was an era when you would have the Kirks and the Bridges and the whatever, people would coming towards it and it was big like obviously like you had guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger huge names were like yeah I was a power lifter and when a yeah. guy who's the biggest box office champ in the 90s in interviews was saying yeah, I remember I was a champion bodybuilder also a power lifter it, it's just all a big microphone to the rest of the world about our sport in terms of yeah. recruiting the youth went through a bit of a dark ages and then we had a comeback again because yep. I think the gear started getting thicker and thicker, and the um, if it was on TV, like TV would be like, okay, this is starting to look a little silly. Like we got a little silly for a little while there, and then mm-hmm. we went, we kind of went through uh, the dark ages, and then yeah. we came back around, and now yeah. we're, uh, we're we're I don't know where do you think we are in terms of the golden era? Because you were around for these eras. Oh yeah. In terms of the golden era. Larry and then Bridges and then Eddie Kirk and those like those era in terms of exposure um, from the m- local like not just uh, like on the mainstream and the quality of lifter, then the the dark ages and then this era. Where does this era stack in terms of exposure and talent? Do you think? Well, I think it, I think in terms of exposure, it's it certainly stacks as the highest. I mean, just because of this technological age and social media age that we live in, uh, love or hate it. It's drawn more people to the sport. Uh, CrossFit, raw powerlifting, et cetera, has just brought more people to the barbell, period. So there's clearly more exposure. In terms of talent, uh, it's difficult to say. I mean, the talent pool, just because I think there's more people doing it now than there were back in the 80s, the heyday, you know, 70s with Pacifico and then the 80s, of course, with Eddie and and into the 90s with Kirk and so on and so forth. I think there's more people doing it now. So just if you just look at data per se – then there's the, the pool is larger now mm. uh, than it was back then. And that clearly was the golden age. And I think we've now established a new golden age, if you will, and uh, which I think perhaps maybe peaked a year or two ago. Uh, some of the numbers are down just slightly if you look at trends and so forth, or we're still growing in number, but not at the rate that we were maybe one or two years ago. Yeah, yeah. So... But, I, but look, powerlifting is alive and well, and we're thankful for that. And so, you know, um, just excited about these world championships coming up. Uh, another guy I want to ask you about. Because uh, we're yeah. waiting. Anyway, listen, we're waiting for uh, Razor and Transy. He's running a little behind. And I love when you have, like, a, an OG like yourself. Look, at, I'm 40. I've been doing this for a hot minute. And guys, like, if you're 20, you think I'm an OG. But, like, you got the like you, You're, like, a encyclopedia. My grandpa was super into boxing, okay? I yeah. would sit down with my grandpa and ask him about like Jack Dempsey and, and all these guys from like the twenties, whatever he, and sitting down with you with powerlifting is the same. And I love hearing these stories. Okay. So I, yeah. while I got you, I got to say like as the third generation sort of, of this like group, yeah, this is one of the more entertaining, interesting well, and people listening. 
you got to think like like Matt. A lot of people listening around the world are around like Earth, this podcast. We got thousands around the world. Like we got people all over Europe. When I could, it's cool because I could see who listens, where the downloads are coming from, from yeah. like Asia. In places where I'm like, I don't even know if there's a lot of English-speaking people in some of these regions all over Europe. So it's a bit of an educational process when these 20-year-olds get to hear these stories. They might not even know. But even, um, did you ever have the privilege of seeing Mark Henry lift? Because Mark Henry's a guy, so for those who don't know, two-time Olympian, um, broke tons of worlds and uh, tons of uh, titles in powerlifting. Um, he went to, he won the world drug free powerlifting title. And I think he broke some records, like all time records in raps, raw with raps there, both at the national level as well. The exact meets because, uh, you know, not to get into politics, there was like affiliates changed anyways. But then, yep. um, did you ever see him? Cause he pulled over 900. It, it, yeah, and- I did, uh, unfortunately I did not see Mark Henry lift. Uh, yeah, he, he was, he was kind of big, uh, back in the eighties, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a little bit into the nineties as well. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see him lift. I know that he was big in the ADFPA, yeah. which was the USAPL before the USAPL. That's right. Uh, um, and it was a drug tested organization. And uh, of course, uh, we all know that he did, he went on to do some, some, uh, some, some weightlifting, of course. And, uh, and uh, I believe he competed in the Olympics, if I'm not mistaken. He, he competed in two Olympics. And yeah. in between his two Olympic runs, um, he actually pulled 900 in the yep. uh, American Drug Free Powerlifting Federation, um, yep. which at the time was an IPF affiliate. Then yep. then they became the World Drug Free Powerlifting Federation affiliate. And then he went to those worlds, and I think he, he put up some crazy totals anyways. And that was yep. in between two Olympic runs. Then after he joined WWE... And everyone knew him in WWE, and he actually came to, to Canada to Guelph, small town, and I see him live wrestle. I mean, I'm not super into pro wrestling. I just went because, oh, shit, Mark sure. Henry's going to be there. But um, after he's already in WWE, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the very first Strongman Arnold Classic, um, Mark Henry went in it, and the reigning World's Strongest Man, who I think at the time was Sven Carlson, showed up, uh, Pudzanowski, a bunch of the best of the best in the world Strongman, and um and and then Mark Henry and Mark Henry beat them all, outright beat them all. And um so he has an Arnold Classic in terms of strongman, two Olympic ch- uh, appearances in terms of Olympic weightlifting, won the Pan Am title and the American title in Olympic weightlifting, and broke all these powerlifting records. And is like one of those dudes who is one of the strongest men in history. This is it's tough to say, but he's up there for and, sure in the and conversation. At, and at a and at a height of about I think six foot, maybe six one, and about a body weight of four ten, he was able to dunk a basketball. Yeah. I remember yeah, just an extraordinary athlete. Uh I did get the opportunity to see Shane Hammond compete in powerlifting and oh, yeah. that name rings a bell. Oh yeah. And so he, he he went on to weightlifting prominence for, for the United States and to compete in uh the Olympics uh for the US. But I saw Shane squat 1,008 oh, at wow. the Junior Nationals, USPF Junior Nationals in 1996. And literally, if you'd have blinked, you'd have missed it. This guy had the fastest dive bomb squat you've ever was, seen. I love how you said dive bomb. I remember when I was just getting to powerlifting, I didn't know what dive bomb and all the rest of it. He goes, Shane Hammond, yeah. classic for his dive bomb style. Who would dive bomb 1,000 pounds is beyond me. Um, yeah. Now, I know... Uh, Mark Henry liked to lift raw with wraps. He didn't like suits. He's coming from an Olympic weightlifting background, um, yep. but he would wrap his knees. Just okay, cool. Did did Hammond wear suit or just raw with wraps, or how did he? Uh, 
he, he did. He had a suit. It was uh, rather loose. I mean, a lot of these supers, uh, at least back then, couldn't uh, wear the gear super, super tight. It's so, not but he like did, today. He, 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 he did have on a suit, and he, and, he was, and he was wrapped, and he squatted it as fast as you've ever seen a 1,000 pounds move. Because it's Just, not like it is today. Like the suits, when we talk about suits, and people hear um, some of these guys from the other generations and their suits, and they're like, yeah, that was with a suit on. These suits were not like those. These shirts back then were not like today. It's it was different, you know. It was it different. Yeah, nearly. Yeah, I, I mean, think- they they were they were wearing uh, whatever was the state of the art equipment back then. But it's just not a fair comparison to what they have today. No, and I think so. as we got a little more suited, um, that's when the shift started a little bit. Started changing to disconnect with the overall public a little bit. Is this? Do we have Ray on right now? Is he here? Yes, I'm here. Hey, my man. How you doing? There he is. Ray is us. Speaking, speaking of some of the strongest gentlemen of all time. Are, are you, uh, do you have a, a, a video on yourself, Ray, just so we can see if you're about to talk? It's easier when we're talking. Um, if I... I, I don't see a little video deal. No, okay. If you don't, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. We're, you guys still can't see me? Uh, we can hear you, just can't see you. Oh, I think you're coming yeah, on. There, there he is, there he is. How you feeling, my my friend? I feel good. Yeah, feel, feel good? Working. Feel working hard? We were just talking before you came on, um, like just lifters of the past, and um, we were talking, I don't know if you heard, Luke Richardson pulled out, he's injured, so apparently he can't squat. And um, talking to Matt a little bit about it takes a little bit of win out of the sales for the 120 pluses. Does it does it change anything at all for you motivation wise? Like because we could have maybe saw a little bit of a showdown. Obviously, you would have been a favorite anyways. But does that change anything, or is it just business as usual regardless? It's just business as usual. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have competed against Luke because, um, you know, Luke is. Like if you watch Luke's deadlift, Luke's deadlift is is, is crazy. He's he's super strong and he's super young. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been fun to, well, not necessarily fun. I think it would have it would have breathed it would have brought new life into the 120 plus category because he is so young, and I think he is the super heavyweight of the future. Um, but for the most part, when when we get to Sweden and it, it comes down to it as business as usual. Yeah. That's, you know, that's pretty much exactly what we were saying is um, it's a shame because just like you said, it's, it's nice to have new faces in there and, and breathe a little, little new life in there, some young bloods in there, but it's, it's uh it, it might've been a stitch early. Maybe if he stays, hopefully he stays. Cause sometimes he talks about leaving and going into strongman. Um, uh, he'll, he'll, he, Luke is from talking to Luke, Luke is going to do, He's going to do his thing in powerlifting, but eventually Luke is going to make the drum a strong man. Yeah. Like, I think everybody everybody who knows Luke knows he's really, really intrigued by strong man, and I think that's eventually what he's going to end up doing. And he's and he's he's got, like, a lot of good strongman competitors around him um, training with him. Do you, do you ever find, after you won in Calgary, and you've won, uh, like, so many years, and, and you've been so dominant, I mean, some people say it's, Premature in some weight classes will call anybody the GOAT of their weight class, but you have to be the GOAT in terms of the classic division because you've won every single year. And after you won in Calgary, um, on the platform I asked you, 
if it was hard to like keep showing up and, and, and motivating yourself um, unless someone steps up and really threatens you. When you're like, is it tough for you to keep going in there, grinding day in, day out, and staying motivated year after year? No, because, like, it's still fun to me. Like, um, powerlifting is, is fun. Like, it's fun to push yourself, to, to challenge yourself, and it's still fun to me. Like, once it becomes a chore, then that'll be a conversation to be had. But right now, I, I don't see it as a chore. I, I enjoy going into the gym. I enjoy pushing the, the, the limits of the human body, my body. And, you know, I just enjoy being in the gym. Like, there's no place like the gym. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like right now, I'm, I'm 32. Um, nothing hurts. Don't have any health problems. And, you know, um, I think I, I think I've got good people around me who, who aren't so fascinated with the numbers, but more just when you show up, be the best person you can be that day and we'll figure the rest out. And, yeah. you know, like right now, that's, that, that's, that's the best part about doing what I'm doing. But once it becomes, ah, oh, damn, I gotta go to the gym. Then, <laughs> then, then we can start talking about, well, you know, you know, cause you know, it's kind of like being born and die. It's kind of like life. You have birth, dash, death. And, once I feel myself getting closer to that final date in powerlifting, then we can talk about all that. But I just feel like right now I got so much left to do. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, it is true that as long as you enjoy the process, because the actual competition is one day, you know, and if you compete three days a year, that's three days. If you enjoy the yep. process, it's all about the process, you know, the day-to-day. Yep. And, um, and Matt, you were saying, so you guys talk often um, and in terms of how the programming's done and the training's done, how do you guys devise that? Is it like numbers you hit, RPE? Is it, you know, in terms of the volume stuff, you don't have to give the whole uh, look behind the curtain, so to speak, but how does the process look? Ray, you want to handle that one or you want me to t- handle it? E- either, either one of you guys, yeah. For, for uh, I'll chime in for, for the... For the cosmetic part, I'll let him do the the mathematic scientific <laughs> part. But for the cosmetic part of it, like it's the main part of it is communication. Amen. Like, beyond the numbers, beyond the you know, like how anything goes on the platform or in training, it's, it's communication. You know, uh, before he puts pen to paper about the numbers part. We always have a talk, like, how do you feel? Where do you feel we should go from here? And, you know, once we have the communication part nailed down, the number, the numbers part is easy. And I'll let him do the numbers part. Yeah, I think, I think Ray, uh, that's a very fair assessment. I mean, first and foremost, Ray, Ray is family to me. Um, we, I've known Ray since uh, late 2013 uh, when I first met him at Raw Nationals in Orlando. And then I had the, the opportunity to, to first start working with him in a game day capacity in 2014 in South Africa. That was his first world championships, and that was the first time that I got my hands on him, so to speak. And, uh, and it's been wonderful ever since. And so our, our relationship has developed uh, uh, beyond the coach and, and pupil, if you will, and Ray's family. And, and, and I love him with all my heart. And, and so the foundation of our, of our relationship is built on, 
on love and is built on trust and a mutual respect. And as he said, communication. And so after a competition takes place, you know, we kind of uh, assess and reflect and see where we can get better and, and establish some goals and discuss, you know, uh, the calendar. And oftentimes the calendar for Ray kind of looks similar every mm. year for the most part. You know, you're talking about Arnold's, you're talking about Raw Nationals, and you're talking about Worlds. And so those are kind of the three competitions. And, uh, you know, we want to we, we want to be the we want him to be the best version of himself uh, each and every time. So after a competition, we kind of get together and, uh, you know, we have a conversation, obviously in person, but also we communicate over the phone. Ray and I text back and forth probably four or five times a week. We're in constant communication, whether he's sharing videos and so on and so forth. And so that that's the foundation of our relationship is open lines of communication at all times. And so we'll sit down and establish some goals and think of where we want to go. And primarily our training is based around uh, percentages for the most part. Um, you know, where I kind of help, I, I like to think of myself more as a consultant, frankly. Um, Ray kind of brought me on in the early stages uh, when I think he was kind of under the, this was pre uh, thousand pound squat. And, and I think Ray was running into some issues where I think he was rationalizing in his mind that he had to grind every single week and almost hit a thousand pounds in training to kind of realize that on the platform. And I think he, you know, kind of ran into some nagging injuries, if you will, and so forth. And his body wasn't treating him the way that he felt it needed to treat him. And so he's like, man, I got to rethink my approach here. And I said, I think, you know, there's a, there's a better way. And, and there's a way where you don't have to, to redline the engine every single week. And so we use uh, weekly undulating periodization, which is to say, you know, it's just a fancy term for, for altering our volume and our intensity from week to week. He'll be in different rep ranges. Um, he's squatting once a week. He's benching heavy uh, once a week and, and have a light bench once a week. And he's deadlifting once a week. So he may not have the ultra high frequency that you'll see amongst these lighter lifters. But you have to remember that this man is putting loads on his body and his organism that are much greater than the average human being. And so rest and recuperation and recovery are, are of paramount importance. And so I, I kind of consult with Ray and kind of steer him in the right direction in terms of the competition lifts. And we, and we put together a plan, again, based on weekly undulating periodization. We always make room for deloads. Uh, they're kind of planned in advance with the understanding that if he's feeling like a rock star, hey man, we'll keep pushing. Yeah. We may not we we may not pump the brakes if we don't need to. Yeah. And he'll also let me know if he's got something coming up or if he's like, man, I you know, I'm feeling down, then we'll back off a little bit. Maybe the deload comes a little sooner than we had anticipated. But we're we're intentionally gonna plan in some back off weeks in there and um, and kind of rev our, our our way up, you know, and working and bringing that training to a crescendo toward the end so that he can be the best version of, of himself on game day. So I'm in charge of kind of steering him in the right direction in terms of the core lifts, the competition lifts, um, making some suggestions on, on uh, assistance exercises, but he's kind of the captain of the ship, and, and, and I'm just kind of the navigator, if you will. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's the one driving the boat. You're the just, king of metaphors, my friend. Yeah. You are yeah. the king of metaphors. I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking as well. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I got, I got the compass. I'm the GPS. I got oh, here we go. Ready. Oh, wow. He's just, wow. <laughs> you no, know, and I'm trying to point him in the right direction. 
and uh, and 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 he handles uh, most of his accessories and most of his assistance. Uh, he'll he'll send me his videos after every single workout, and I get my eyes on those videos and and critique him and let him know what I think and I and if we need to make technical adjustments. And uh, oftentimes, you know, Ray has a high attention to detail, and um, you know he doesn't get credit for that. And I want to give him credit for that because he he cares and he puts forth a tremendous amount of effort. Effort. He's got a very high work ethic, and he and he and he's in tune with his body, and he listens to the way that he feels. And a lot of that stuff, you know, for other coaches out there, a lot of that stuff doesn't come through in the video. You know, mm-hmm. I can't tell if his glutes on fire. Or if his glutes bothering him, but he'll let me know, you mm-hmm. know, and he'll tell me, hey, I had to make a technical adjustment on this set, and this is why it looks a little bit different yeah, because yeah. my glute was bugging me, or something of that nature, you know. And just the other night, uh, he had a heavy bench uh, session, and uh, he was feeling something a little bit off kilter, so we just got the in- the intensity work done and decided to, you know, uh, take it easy on the back off work, mm-hmm. you know. So I-, I think it, as Ray said. Just to kind of wrap this up, it's just based on a lot of communication, and I think that's really important. And I tell you, the best thing about working with Ray is that he's a coach as well. And so he understands because he's a football coach, and he is coachable. Mm. He is highly coachable. And you, it is rare that you come into an athlete as gifted and as exceptional and as elite as Ray who remains coachable and respects the coach uh, pupil relationship. And that doesn't mean that I'm a dictator and that doesn't mean that I drop the hammer and whatever I say goes, we come to a mutual man to man, respectful decision, but he respects that process and he respects those boundaries as I do as well. And that's the most wonderful thing about coaching him is that first and foremost, he's family. And secondly, he's a coach. So he gets it. Um, talking about that, leading into that thousand pound squat, um, Ray, had you hit a thousand pounds in the gym and when it was coming up and, and this was, when you hit a thousand pounds, everybody talked, ESPN ran it with it. Mainstream media ran with it. It was talk all over the world. Did you know a, that you were, had you hit a thousand pounds in the gym before you did it on the platform and afterwards, did you know it was going to be that big? In terms of like people's reaction, I had no idea. It's it it still surprises me to this day. Like, believe it or not, powerlifting the the I guess you can say the 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 feedback you get from powerlift kind of powerlifting kind of caught me off guard. Um, like, you know, when I first hit a thousand in Atlanta, I had no idea that it was going to be what it was. I mean. You know, honestly, truthfully, um, when it happened, I was having, like, tendinitis issues in my arm. So, like, holding the bar, it it felt funky. Um, Just, you know, trying to get set, everything felt funky. So, you know, when I did it, you know, like, okay, like, finally got it. Because, you know, I did it three weeks before in the gym. And it was all ugly. Like, I took my pre-workout too late. I had ate a meal before I got to the gym. I threw up before I squatted the thousand oh, pounds. Wow. So, I'm, so I'm just like, you know what, man? Let's just do this and get this over with. So I did it. I posted the video, and you know, it got you know decent reviews, decent views. So okay. So when I did it in competition, 
I was expecting the same thing. Like, yeah. I didn't expect it to do what it did. You know, be on ESPN, be on World Star Hip Hop, uh, CBS Sports. Like, everybody was, everybody shared it. So I'm just like, okay, you know, this is awesome for powerlifting, you know, because, you know, like, that, that's that's the main goal of it all. You know, just, you just want the sport to grow. And you want the sport to go as far as it can, you know, as far as far as it can go. That, that that's That's my... That's what I want for powerlifting. I just want the sport to grow and, um, you know, just see how far I'll go. Maybe, maybe one day we can, maybe one day powerlifting can be on ESPN, you know. It is, uh, I, 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 it's for our time. So people love new barriers. And I think like everyone knows the story about the four minute mile back in like the twenties, thirties, people thought legitimately the four minute mile will never be run. That's a barrier. The first man who ran the four-minute mile, it was worldwide news. Not long after that, several gentlemen started running four-minute miles. Now it's nothing now, but um, people love a barrier. The sub-10-second, 100-meter race, um, I mean, these are barriers that people cherish because they thought it was a barrier, and once that falls, it's news and everybody will always remember, right? And um, because we had seen so many of those in sports, and there's not a lot of them out there, the thousand pound squat represented it's something you don't have to be a powerlifting fan to understand strength. You know, it's, you don't have to be a fo- like football. You can get it, but unless if you don't know the rules, Europeans don't get it. Like, I don't quite get it. What I'm looking at, you know, what thousand pound squat would be. I don't care who you are, where in the world, you know, a thousand pounds seems ridiculous. And when it fell, I think that's where everyone around the world, it's almost like if this is possible, and a human now squats a thousand pounds. That's why everybody can get excited. It transcends. I was gonna say, and the excited thing is, I think one of the big keys that was kind of what brought it home. I remember watching that webcast, and I remember you could tell the energy in that room through whatever you were watching it on. It, it was, was. I remember it was being. Crazy. I remember yelling in my living room when you did it. It was. I, I remember. And I was built up because of it. People who've seen it will always remember. Like I remember when Ray squatted a thousand. You know, like that's a moment in history, not just for sports, but humans, man. That and I got to say, when it comes to lifters and it comes for getting geared up for squats, there are very few that are, have the same intensity and energy that oh, you've got. Like It's, it's like just, a charging bull. It, it, was, it was insane to watch. Yeah. So I can see why ESPN picked it up, why Worldstar picked it up. It's just... It, it was... It, and you're right. It's really big for the sport. Like, we don't, we don't get on there if you don't do that. You know, do you ever feel at some points um, a little bit of pressure because you are... Not even asking for it, but you become almost like our spokesperson, you know, because you are who you are and you're doing what you're doing. Do you feel pressure like that? Like, oh man, I got to, not only am I carrying a thousand pounds, sometimes you're carrying the sport on your back, right? Uh, No, not not really. Just because, just because I think being blasted on mainstream media like that did do for powerlifting. It exposed people to a to the other powerlifting. Like, wow, like wait a minute. So if there is a dude that's squatting a thousand, let's take a closer look at this board. Maybe maybe it's something we're missing. Because obviously you there's a certain level level of dedication to go do this drug free and be all over social media. So let's take a look at it. And then you you discover, wow, there are there are women that barely weigh a hundred pounds that are squatting 10 times or totaling 10 times their body weight. Yeah. 
there 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 are twenty one year old kids out here deadlifting eight hundred pounds. So I think what I did was basically just open up the world's eyes to, well, you know, these are ordinary people who dedicate their time, their bodies, their energy to this sport, and they're doing it the right way. You know, they're and and, and when I say the right way, I just mean they're doing it in a way that's that's positive, that's clean. And it's it's wholesome. Like it's something you can, like you said, like in your living room. It's something you can watch with your family. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like just take a look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, do you feel like because you say like these are regular people, when people think about you, like it's almost like you're um, you don't they don't talk about you like you're a regular guy because you're capable of doing things that maybe no one's ever been able to do in history, which is a weird thing to say, I know. Even me saying that out of my mouth sounds weird, but it might be factual that nobody in history has ever been able to do what you do. Is that crazy to even hear that? Do you, does that dawn on you that, oh my God, I'm, or do you feel like just a regular dude? Yes, and what you see on the platform and what they see, you see passion. Like, I want you to feel my passion because the deal is, you can be highly talented at something. I can be the best bowler in the world, and I can go out there, and I can just do what I do, and I can win matches, and I can win purses and, and be great. But if somebody else is just as good as me, but they put more into it than I do, then they're eventually they're going to surpass me. Mm. And my deal is with five world championships and several world records in you 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 come to that realization it's like okay you know like what's there left for me to do and you know me being the person that I am if I do something I'm going to put my all into it so when you see me do those squats when 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 people like you said people look at me like I'm more than what I am you're 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 seeing my passion my passion for what I do like when I'm in the gym, I'm putting everything on the line. Mm. Like a lot of people watch my squat videos. I don't, I rarely use safeties. I rarely have spotters. When I step in there, I'm stepping in there with more on the line than just a thousand pound squat because if something goes wrong, it can go terribly wrong. Mm. It yeah. can go life endingly wrong. Mm-hmm. So when you see me on the platform, you see all that come to the front. You see mm-hmm. all that come to the front. And, and you had mentioned like five titles. Is there one world championship win that would stand out the most? If you were, if someone's to ask you like, or even not even the world title, but even on the national level or any, any of these championships you won, is there one besides a thousand pound squat, which is maybe it isn't the biggest, you know what? L- let me, let me just pose it like this. What is the biggest single biggest moment for you so far in your powerlifting career? If it's the thousand pound squad, okay. And if it isn't, what, it, like, what would be second to that? It would be Helsinki um, when uh, Open Worlds, when it was in Finland, when it was Kelly, myself, Jezza, and Blaine. And it was probably one of the most epic fights I've ever been in for a world championship. Because it started out, I started out, I hit the big squat. Okay, I'm in there, I'm good. And then at the end, you know, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a real big bencher, so like I gear up for squat, I take a nap during bench, and I gear back up for deadlift. Yeah. And 
right at that left, it was pretty much it was Blaine and me. And Blaine pulled, I think it was seven ninety nine or seven ninety three, one of the two. He got it to the top of his quad and just lost his grip. Mm. Like literally winning that world championship came down to him losing his grip because he completes that lift, he wins. Yeah. He doesn't that lift, I win. Like it was it was on the edge of your seats, like excitement. Like it was, you know, I'm, you know, like me, I remember standing right next to coach Gary and we're sitting there, we're, we're rooting for the dude. Like we won't blame the bullet. Cause you know, that's, that's just like, you want to see somebody's hard work pay off for them. Yeah. And you know, it, it didn't happen. And I won that world championship, but it was just the excitement, the brotherhood, the camaraderie that, you know, I found after that day, because after that day, I've pretty much been, you know, great friends with all those guys. And what were you thinking there, Matt, when in that 2015 battle, when it came right down to the very last deadlift? So actually in 2015, that's the that's the one world championship where I wasn't there. When he's referring to Coach Gary, he's referring to my wife, Susie. So, ah. I, yeah, I, I got injured uh, just before the uh, Worlds that year and couldn't make the trip. So... I helped Ray and Susie, of course, install the game plan, and then I was sitting at home, oh, no. in a wheelchair. That's probably worse. Wow. That's probably harder when you're watching the screen. You're like, oh, and I was I was crying my eyes out the entire time, uh, watching the live stream from my living room in a wheelchair on my laptop, and uh, and of course I'm cheering for my guy here, and uh, you know both he and Blaine missed third, missed their third benches in that one, but. Uh, but then, as Ray said, it came down to that final deadlift where Blaine had a shot at it, and uh, and and just this the seven ninety three, uh, you know, it popped out of his hands up at the top, and he lost his grip. And so, you know, naturally, I rejoiced because you know it was my, my guy won. But just just it was phenomenal sportsmanship with all the guys, and as Ray said, just a real classy competition that came down to the end. Mm-hmm. And you know, as fans of the sport, you like to see it come down to the end. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 because Blaine obviously has won so many world championships. Looking back, that is literally battle of world champions head to head competition. That's what it's all about: the best in the world, meeting head to head. Yeah, so hopefully, as I don't know, is Blaine ever expressed? We had Blaine on the podcast, but it's been a while. Do either of you gentlemen know if Blaine has ever expressed interest of coming back to the Raw? I. Uh... As far as me, no, I, I, I haven't had that conversation. Um, I think he really enjoys uh, the equip side of things. Um, you know, if, if you ask my opinion, I think he really enjoys equip lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's safer, it's easier on the body. And, um, you know, like as far as conversations about raw, no, sir, I, I haven't had those conversations with him. Have you ever tried knee wraps yourself just to see what you would throw up in a squat with knee wraps? I'm sure everybody's wondering. My very first meet, I did an APA meet, a local meet here at the gym um, that I squat at, Power Zone Gym. And, um, like, I had on loose knee wraps. And, you know, when you got, when your leg, when your feet go numb, you have that, like you're walking on needles feeling. Yeah. I just don't like that feeling because if I'm squatting, I can tell if my feet are moving or if my knees are shifting or or if something is wrong. But when you're numb from the knees down, 
Like you, you can't feel when something is wrong. Yeah, yeah, like, you. I, I just don't like the feeling. Me personally. You know what? A, a lot of people who um, lift in those federations that use raps, some of them have said, like like Brendan Allen, John Hack. Um, uh, I mean, the list goes on. Said they've suffered a lot of serious injury because of the raps, and um, because you're you're first off totally upright, like your leg is straight. You're wrapping that so tight. And these days, the wraps are strong. And then throwing on so much weight on your back and your leg is wrapped so tight, it's not going to bend. But you force it into a deep knee bend with the type of weight that no man should have on his back. That's when quads tear. That's when all types of bad things happen. It might be for the best. I mean, um, I don't, Gary, you probably have messed around with plenty of this stuff. Have you found, what do you think about wraps and squats? Do you think it's, it might do more harm than good in terms of wrapping knees long-term? Well, I think, uh, so yeah, I got my start in equipped lifting uh, back in the, you know, mid, mid nineties. And I think, I think there's kind of two schools of thought when it comes to equipment. You'll talk to one, one batch of people and they feel like it, it holds them together and it provides the support. And while on the one hand it is an ergogenic aid and it does help you lift more, it uh, helps the integrity of the joint by fortifying it, if you will, and, and kind of protecting the joint. So you have that, that crew that feels like, Hey, it holds me together. Maybe if I have an ache and a pain, I can wrap it in a suit or wrap it in these knee wraps. And it, and it helps to kind of mask some of that. And then you have the other opposite end of the spectrum is, is what you said, Ryan, where you're subjecting the body, the skeleton, the organism, the connective tissue, the muscles to load to super maximal loads that it's not intended nor capable of, of handling. And of course, sometimes the results are catastrophic. Mm. So I think, I think, look, both equipped lifting and raw lifting are here to stay. And so I think, uh, you know, as, as Ray said, uh, I haven't had that conversation with Blaine, but just hearing uh, secondhand conversations and, and talking with people who are close to Blaine, uh, I know that he loves the equipment. He does well in the equipment. And I, I think that he intends to stay there. I know that a lot of that came about because he was dealing with a hip labrum. Because uh, if, yeah. if you recall, so I oh, coached yes. Blaine. Yeah, yeah. At, I was at, thinking I, that. I, I, I coached Blaine at the 2012 World Cup in, in Sweden. And so it's funny that we're kind of going back to Sweden this year. But that was the original introduction. You know, that was – that was the first Raw World Championships without the actual name attached to it. Uh, that was that was the Raw World Cup. I mean, everybody who was there felt like it was a World Championships, but it was the IPF basically test driving the car right. and saying, "Hey, do we want to try this?" You know, the next year in 2013, of course, is when they named it the World Championships. But I coached Blaine at that meet, and at that meet, that's where I actually think he wound up hurting his hip. Do you think it was uh, you? I, I think so. In Sweden, 2012, I think he squatted about 400 kilos at that meet in 2012, and uh, he got called on depth, and then I think he kind of went extra deep, and when he did, I think he popped something in his hip, and I, th I think that was the beginning of some of his uh, hip issues, if I'm not mistaken, and... After uh, 2015, where he kind of came back and, of course, competed against Ray at the Worlds and so forth, ever since then, he's he's kind of protected his body, you know, if you will, with the equipped lifting. And so, to my knowledge, I don't know that he intends to come back. I think he likes the equipped stuff, and and for all I know, I think he intends to stay there. We were, we were saying, Ray, before he came on, um, because we were, like, like sports, you love a good battle. Um, 
you know, every time you when you watch a football game, you want the, the score to be tight. You don't want anyone rolling over anybody, you know, winning in the first quarter all the way through, and then at the very end, they're still winning. So I, we were saying, if Luke is thinking about moving on to Strongman before next year, before before next Worlds, we're going to try to start up a petition to make him stay. <laughs> One more year. I, I actually had a conversation with Luke. And um, not to get not to give too much of the young man's business away, but he wants to be great. He wants to be great at powerlifting as well. He want he wants his found he wants a solid foundation in powerlifting first. And um, eventually, like I said, eventually everybody everybody around him everybody knows what he wants to do. But I think he wants to be great here first before he moves on. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's fair enough. And he is super young. There's like 10 years between you guys in terms of age. Yes. So there's plenty of room. You know, uh, nobody's got it. Like, you'll you have two different eras. Eventually, you, you would think you have two different eras. Um, how did you end up getting into powerlifting? Uh, a Facebook bet. Uh, oh, wow. Me and, uh, me and my a Facebook bet. Me and my brother. We uh, got into an argument about who would bench 500 pounds first, and we went back and forth for a few months, posting videos on Facebook, and somewhere along the line, he did a meet, and um, he came back, told me he enjoyed it, um, and I should give it a try, so I did, and uh, I think that's one of the things that really sucked for me in the beginning. Because I didn't know the rules. I didn't know powerlifting had rules. Um, I thought you could just squat the weight, walk it back in and rack it. Uh, so that's why my introduction to powerlifting was so rough. Mm. But that's how I got into it. Uh, basically a Facebook debate. Okay. <laughs> With your brother, too. So I was going to say, so what were the numbers you hit in that first meet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. AGM meet. I, I'm interested. Uh, 800 squat. Oh, uh, damn! Four twenty-five bench and a six ten deadlift. And he, who won the Facebook? Who won the Facebook bet, anyways? Uh, I did, but I won it. I won it by like uh, I won it by like a week because I think when the week I hit five hundred, he had hit like four seventy-five, and he like smoked it. So if I didn't hit five hundred a week before he did, he probably would have hit five hundred. Before I did, so I won it by I want to say like a week. Did you guys ever do a competition at the same time against each other? Uh, he was at the uh, Atlanta meet when uh, I squatted a thousand five. Oh, okay. He was actually there. Did you guys ever compete against each other though? I mean, yes. Oh, yes. did he ever get so in early goings? Was he ever stronger than you and ever beat you in competition? Um, in the beginning, he was. I always had the bigger squat because I like squat. But his his bench and deadlift were always a little bit above mine. And um, that's kind of how I figured out that I need to start. I need to really focus on deadlift because at, at first, you know, you come out, you squat this huge number, and it really doesn't matter what you do on bench and the deadlift until you get among more people like yourself that can squat big too. And then you're like, oh, I got to learn how to finish. I got to yeah. teach myself how to finish. So that's kind of where my emphasis on my deadlifts kind of came from. Your brother should have went 
as soon as it got a couple wins on you, been like, that's it. I'm, I'm retiring undefeated. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the family champion. I never want to see you again in a competition. I just want, I just want everybody to know that. Yeah. That's what I would have done, just to maintain. But um, so is your, so your brother was there. He's still. How is he an older brother or younger brother? He's older. Is he okay? See, that's the same thing with my okay. My older brother, when we were younger, we used to wrestle all the time. He's two years older, and he'd always win the wrestling matches. As soon as we got to a certain age, around like late teens, early 20s, all of a sudden I started winning these wrestling matches, and my brother pulled me, I tried to wrestle him one time, or the wrestling match was getting closer and closer, and then the last time I tried to go, and he's like, that's it, man, we're done, I'm retiring undefeated, I don't want to wrestle you no more, and that's where we're going to finish it. So you always want to stay a leg ahead. But uh, is your bro- so is your brother? Is he? He's obviously he's a heavyweight. Is your family just big all around? Have you guys always been big? Your dad, your grandfather. Uh we yeah we're we're typically the 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 shorter. I mean there there are a few six three six four Williams running around here, but for the most part we're the stocky wide shoulder barrel tested big quad having people. <laughs> that's right and, and how tall are you i have six even yeah because you were tall when i see you in calgary you were tall um so there's yeah six tall, feet is I was gonna say it's tall amongst powerlifters anyway six feet is super tall amongst powerlifters yeah, yeah it's a giant yeah that's for sure and have you always been um have you always been big because you played football before correct yes sir so you've always seen uh, I've always been big amongst my peers. Yeah. Until I started powerlifting, now I'm just big. Period. <laughs> that's that's well said. And do you, in between the two sports, is football your first love, and or which one do you think you love more? Is that a tough question? It's gotta be for me. It's football, and it's just it's just what what you. What you do in a nice way in powerlifting, I didn't have to be nice about it in football. When it comes to just dominating and destroying people, you got to be nice about it in powerlifting. Like, you can't – I mean, don't get me wrong, because once once the bar gets put away and the weights get stored up, you know, you, you want to be friends with the guys you compete against. So in powerlifting – it's 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 more of an organized chaos, you know. It's it's chaotic, it's competitive. But at the end of the day, when you walk past me on your way off the platform, and I'm heading out there, I'm gonna pat you on your shoulder to say good job, so on and so forth. In football, I don't have to do that. In football, I'm just trying to to make you stop breathing, and I'm not trying to be nice about it. Mm. So football, I can be as evil as I want, and I don't have to worry <laughs> about like if I see you again. No, hey, we beat y'all. <laughs> which, which, with the way that you attack the bar, I would be terrified about watching you coming towards me. Yeah, if you, like, yeah, I've seen you prep to squat. If I was on the line and I seen you doing your prep to squat on the line, ready to run at me, oh, I would be turtling. I'd be like head down oh, into the ground. Damn. We, we got something. Hoping to God that you trip over me or something, we but like, there's nothing. <laughs> double up on this gentleman. Um, at what point, at like what levels were, did you play football? Did you, was that where you played most of your life? Um, I played, uh, I played, uh, played college ball, um, but due to a lack of dedication and lots of parties and just not being mature enough, um, like I had some NFL workouts, um, but 
you know, due to a lack of dedication and maturity, it just didn't come to fruition. And that uh, that will to compete never went anywhere. That's why when powerlifting, when the doors to powerlifting open, I kind of just jumped in with both feet. Do you think, because I believe in timing is everything in life. And, um, and I know what you mean. When I was in my early 20s, I did not dedicate myself. Late teens, early 20s, I was living the life. I was young, dumb, like... It's that old, you know, the older you get, the more you realize the doors you let close on yourself. I found powerlifting in my late 20s. And um, do you think the timing was perfect that when you found powerlifting and uh, and you were ready to dedicate yourself? And uh, let me first say, thank God, because um, who knows, man, if you would have took football instead, nothing is guaranteed in football. In terms of like, if you even could be the same Ray Williams we know, if you found powerlifting later on, you know, it might not have been an option. You know, we know what football can do. So, I mean, things worked out because now you're the strongest man in history. So I'm glad. But uh, do you think it was it just the timing is everything? And Yes. Um, because when when I found powerlifting, I was at a point in my life where, you know, I was I was searching for answers. I was searching for who I am, you know, so to speak. Because, you know, like when you get to your late 20s, you know, you, you sort of kind of, you know, in the grander scheme of things, want to know what direction in life you're going. And to me, honestly, powerlifting and dedicating myself to the gym kind of put me in a space or made a space available for me to gain that direction. Because from 20 to 26, I started powerlifting in 26. From 20 at the age of 26. From the age 20 to age 26, I want to say I had no direction. I was just you know, living my life like it was golden. And little did I know, I was kind of like a dog chasing his tail. You know, I was living, I was having fun, I was doing what I wanted to do, but I was just killing the grass in a circle because I wasn't going anywhere. Like, I wasn't progressing, I wasn't regressing, but I wasn't going anywhere. And, you know, as a football coach, we often tell our kids, if you're not progressing, you're you're actually regressing. And, you know, powerlifting kind of, put me in an arena with some people who not only are really, really strong, but got, you know, like Coach Gary, you know, just, you know, not to not to kind of embarrass him, but, you know, somebody who is older has, you know, been where I've been because, you know, uh, one, one thing older people always told me, you know, I'm 20, uh, at the age of 26, you know, if I'm talking to a 34-year-old man, a 34-year-old man can say, look, I've been 26. You ain't never been 34. So that experience in life and spirituality and, you know, just dealing with certain parts of life, you know, like being around older men who not only were powerlifters, but they were also husbands. They were also fathers. They were also football coaches. They're educators. You know, I could absorb other knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped me progress forward in my life. I, I like what you said when you said if you're not progressing, you're regressing. In those years, 20 to 26, you weren't progressing, you weren't regressing, but it was killing time. And I, if there's one thing like I could so identify with, probably a lot of people can, when you start getting older, in your 30s, at 40s, 50s, whatever, you look back and you want to tell people, my friend, the last five years, early 20s, 20 to 25, you haven't done much. You don't realize how much time you're wasting, and it goes by so much faster than you think. And those are prime years. And talking to you, 
you would have had no idea you were capable of making history, but for five years you weren't doing that. And it's like, only when you talk to certain people older who might know and they might be like, we got to do something, you know, you know, find something, find your plan. Cause you don't know, you know, you, you don't know how much, what you're missing out on. And it's, um, at, at that point, like, was there, at what point in time did it start dawning on you when you started powerlifting that holy smokes, I could be the best in the world. I could be the strongest man in the world. Like wh- when that, did that start? Did you at one point lay down in bed, look up at the ceiling and be like, holy shit, I think I'm the strongest man in the world. I'm hoping he says after his first date. <laughs> like, that's pretty crazy. Uh, that's that's actually, not relatable, by the way. That's not relatable to anybody. <laughs> I say it all the time. That's a Ray Williams thing. <laughs> right, yeah. Actually, I just, once I chose the USAPL as the federation, you know, I sat back, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I just squatted 800 pounds. So, you know, me, who's working out in a community college fitness center. And, you know, when I say that, I say that in with the utmost respect, because I think we have an awesome fitness center here. Um, but I'm working out at the fitness center. At the time, I didn't know the rules. I didn't have the fancy kilo plates. I didn't have the fancy bars. I I didn't have any like anybody helping me. I didn't have any other sponsorships. I didn't have any other gear. You know, it's you know, I'm like, if, if I'm doing 800, it's somebody out here that's doing a thousand. And like I said, my ignorance to the sport, when I looked up powerlifting, everything was equipped, but I didn't know what raw and equipped lifting was. Uh, so yeah. the first lifter I actually saw, like on YouTube, was like Henry Thompson. And Henry Thompson is the equipped lifter from Texas. So I'm, I'm studying up on Henry Thompson like, Man, his base is wide. So guess what I started doing? I started squatting wide, and I actually ended up giving myself performance. Um, so, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking if I'm doing 800, you know, it is just because I just thought, you know, I'm I'm some bum that's lifting weights in the middle of Mississippi. It ain't no way I'm one of the best in the world. So, you know, I kind of just kind of played it off to the limit, you know. And then once I decided to compete USAPL, I looked up current records, and I'm like, wait a minute. The current world record is only 860. And at the time, that was held by Blaine. I'm like, 860? I just squatted 800. And I know I had more in the tank. So I did my very first USAPL meet, and I hit 905 with just like a belt. No knee wrap, no knee sleeves, no knee wraps, just a belt and some wrist wraps and a single. I did 905, and I'm like, Okay, so like, I did this, but I still didn't think I was anything special until that video got like 500,000 views on YouTube. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. We may be on to something now. <laughs> and then, you know, I just went from there. But never once did I think I was anything special. I, I mean, honestly, truthfully, I still don't. Like, you know, I just... I don't know, I just, you know, when you're having fun, you just don't look at nothing else. Like, I'm, I'm having fun. I just don't, I don't see it like everybody else sees it, I guess. You, you know, it, it's, I know what you mean where you always feel like you. Like, you were you when no one knew you. You were you when everyone knows you. The feeling of being you doesn't change, so you don't feel different. So you're, when people, like, 
wow, it must be like this, that, and the other for Ray. It's like, no, but reality, that's not the way reality works. That's not the way it feels like, you know, you're always you. You're still the same. And when everyone's, whether you're there and everyone's watching you squat or you're alone chilling watching Netflix, it doesn't feel different. You know, and people, you know, build up these impressions and it's, you know, it's, it's, life isn't different like that. Um, but when you hit, so when you hit 900, you knew you're onto something. Was there a moment when you thought I could be the strongest in the world though? Did you, was there, you know, in movies, there's sometimes that moment and you see it in the character's face where like he get now he knows he gets it. It just happened. Was it the first world championship win or leading up to it at some point were you ever like, oh my gosh. I think I, I might be the strongest. Uh, when the very, very first time, the very, the very first time I ever met, like, some of the world's strongest men, like when I first met Thor and, and Brian Shaw and some of those guys, and, and this is like in the past two or three years, when I first met those guys who, people who I look at as stupid strong, like, not because, not because, you know, they, they, they lift more weights than I do. They do this stuff while moving. Yeah. Like, I find that impressive because I'm a strong guy, but if you need me to help move furniture, I ain't doing it. That's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a big dude. If you got anything to move, don't call me. Yeah. So... To watch these guys yoke walk, carry stones, and the the Husafel carry. To watch that, I'm like, these dudes are rock solid. To for those guys to compliment me on, man, you're 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 so strong. Like to hear that come from them, like wow, like you know, like you know, that's that's one of those, you know, that's a clutch the pearls moment, right? Yeah. There, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like wow. You know, yeah, you know, we were like, saying Matt was the uh, king of ana- and, uh, analogies. Yeah, analogies, yeah. I, I think Ray's taking him at this point. Well, it is, uh, yeah, for sure. No, it's true. I remember Eddie Hall won the World's Strongest Man, and then as the reigning World's Strongest Man, him reposting your posts, and me like, I can't believe what Ray Williams squats. Uh, to put in perspective, raking out squat me by X amount, and just like couldn't couldn't believe the type of the weight you're shifting. Um, was, there, was there guys when you were growing up, because we were talking about powerlifters from previous generations, and like Mark Henry was big for me. Was there any like strength athletes that um, you used to look up to, or you still do look up to when you were first taking it on, or were they always? Because sometimes uh, it might be an athlete from another sport that you looked up to. Who was your idols? Growing up, when World Strongest Man was actually a regular fixture. On ESPN, yeah. it was Bill Kazmaier. Like, Bill Kazmaier was that guy. And then, as I kind of got into the sport myself and doing research and looking at some of the people that came before me, you know, I learned about Odie Wilson. And, you know, like, Odie Wilson was one of the strongest men never to actually win World's Strongest Man. Yeah. So, you know, you look at videos on YouTube of Odie, you pull up his biography, like, I would have loved to compete against this guy just to see how I would have, you know, stacked up against him and guys like Bill Kazmaier. And you know, I would have loved to compete against those mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. Uh, true story about Bill Kazmaier. Um, the first IPF World Championships I was commentating in, 
Um, I had not commentated, not even at a local level, not at a national level. I went big, my friend. I shot an email to Gaston and said, hey, man, I want to commentate. Um, I've done some, I did like reality TV shows in Canada. So I have media training, but I was like, I, I think I'd be good. And he goes, all right, cool. I'll throw you on there to, at the world championships. Okay. So this is the world championships commentating. Very first time ever commentating is at the IPF worlds day two. Um, Chrissy comes to me and says, uh, six pack. We're thinking about having a co com a guest co-commentary. Would you be okay with that? I'm like, all right, well, it's only day two ever for me, so I'm a rookie. Like, it can only help. She goes, okay, okay. It's going to be Bill Kazmar. And I was like, <laughs> 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 I'm already nervous. I got Bill Kazmar beside me, and I'm like, holy, this is surreal. I remember messaging my, my girlfriend, like, uh, being here commentating is surreal, and I, and I was over the top. Day two, Bill Kazmar talking to me like this, like, six-pack, what did you think? Oh, you're so funny. I'm like, he's laughing at my jokes, probably for the cameras. But still, I was like, man, this is crazy. Um, yeah, it was, I was uh, totally fanboying all over this guy. And the day before, it was me and Martin. And me and Martin were, like, disagreeing on the air about certain things about the squat. Bill came on there. He said something like, you're absolutely right, Bill. I can't agree. 100% agree with you there. And Martin's like, oh, what the hell? Yesterday, that's not what you were saying. (laughs) I was all over Bill, man. Bill went up for a coffee. Let me get that for you, Bill. Let me. I was walking around. We were best friends that day. But, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Like, looking at some of these older guys from the older generations and watching them. And I think, um, did did he, did Odie have a nickname? Um... Was he, was he, did he, was that someone, when did he compete? Was he the 80s? Yes. Yes. And was he doing a loop around and they were carrying bricks or something crazy? I think I've seen highlight videos and he came so close. It might even be controversial. um, Something happened and he ended up, um, you know, if you, um, it was something about his conditioning or him being hurt earlier. Yeah. But he came up like like a hair short. Yeah, he was he was killing it. Years. He was killing it and something happened in one of the last events and he faltered back enough spots because it's about points in terms of the events. And um I remember seeing that. I probably saw the same videos you did. Because I think I was too yeah. small or like, too young to remember, but I seen the videos and I was like, oh damn, he was a charismatic dude, big dude from the US, very charismatic. And um, yeah, man, he was he was definitely like. Do you remember this guy, Matt? Of course, yeah. He was very. He was also very tall. I want to say Od was probably. I want to say he was close to six, six seven, maybe six eight. He was he was four hundred pounds plus. He squatted a thousand pounds uh, oh. plus equipped. Yeah. Back in the day, he, he yeah he was a hell of a competitor, and unfortunately he passed away pretty much at a at a young age. I think he had a heart condition, didn't he, Ray? Yep. Yeah, yeah I, I think he did. I, I think. Yeah, he was he was very young, but uh, but yeah, I mean he 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 like you said he was at the world's strongest man and and uh, yeah he he left his mark on the sport on both sports. And, and do you have a time, uh, Ray, when you think you might check out and be like, is there an age where you're like, all right, by a certain age, uh, this will probably be the end. Like, do you see yourself going in as a master and still doing powerlifting, or are you thinking, or, or or maybe you don't even think about that far ahead and you're like, ah, let's just take a day as we go. Yeah, I just take it a day at a time because, like, powerlifting, you know, it's it's one of those deals where 
you can make long-term plans, but if your body ain't on the same accord as your plans, then it really yeah. don't matter what you want to do. So, you know, I, I just play it by health and by quality of life because I do have uh, a 9 and a 10-year-old and, um, you know, um, I'm engaged. So, you know, I I want to go through, I want to enjoy life. Yeah. Like once it gets to a point where, you know, it's, it's hurting me, and I'm not having fun anymore, then I'll start thinking about that end date. But like right now, everything is beautiful. Everything is working. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's in my head. You got to live You gotta live in the moment. That's true. Um, yeah, exactly. I, didn't, I didn't. What do your kids think about um, their dad being like the world's strongest man? They're kind of like me. When I was watching Bill Kazmaier and those guys, uh, Morris Pujanowski and, and uh, Magnus Samuelson, you know, it's it's kind of you don't really comprehend what's happening. Yeah. But you kind of you kind of form your own context. Like, you know, like my dad, you, you, my dad is just as strong as Superman. You know, they they form their own context. They don't really know what's going on or they don't really they, they just know their dad is like really big and really strong. You know, it'd be that's so crazy because it's true. Being a kid growing up in that environment, their reality has got to be like nobody else's. It's got to be so skewed. They'd be like, yeah. oh, well, they're probably talking to other kids at school like, oh, I'm sorry, your your dad can't flip cars? I thought everybody's, uh, like, you yeah. know, they don't know what's, what's normal, what's not normal, what's, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's got to be a little skewed. Are they um are they into weightlifting? Have they ever, ex- or like strength in general? Do they show an interest in that kind of thing? Man, it's, it's crazy you ask me that because, you know, most kids, I've heard most lifters, well, most lifters I know when they take their kids to the gym, their kids love it. Like, I take my kids to the gym, I have to pull them off stuff because I'm more afraid than they are. Yeah. Like, I watched my son get on a treadmill. This is no lie. Like, he's got on, like, his his play shoes. They're <laughs> not tied. Oh, For some reason, he thinks six on the treadmill isn't fast, so he just spikes it up to six. Yeah. And he's running. He's running. <laughs> then when the treadmill really kicks in, it throws him from the treadmill to the front door of the fitness center. <laughs> like, oh my God, my son. He just pops up, dusts himself off like, Dad, can I do it again? Like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, See, it, they, they, they love the gym. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they um, – what would you think if they wanted to get into powerlifting? Would you say – or, or you know, what sport do you see them taking part in? Uh, my oldest – uh, he really likes basketball. My my baby boy, I really don't know. He he's more of a, you know, he he he's really quiet. I don't think he's yet coming to. I don't think his personality, or or like, I don't think he's really just come into himself as of as of yet. I think he's still, you know, just being young, enjoying being a baby, yeah. being a kid. And um, eventually when it clicks, you know, I can see him being, you know, he, he, he was really interested in baseball earlier, which, you know, when you see people signing $400 million contracts, yeah. you know, it's a big baseball, sport. Yeah. That's, <laughs> but, um, that's true. You'd be like, if he, if he was talking, dad, I'm thinking about getting powerlifting. You'd be like, I was thinking baseball for you. <laughs> I actually son, I was thinking basketball. I don't know about you. <laughs> I was uh something that makes a little more money. 
Have you ever been, um, have you ever thought about that thinking, man, I am the best in the world at a sport, uh, but there's so many best in the world who are like cabillionaires. Isn't that just the luck where you're like, you, you are the best maybe of all time in, in a sport and damn, there isn't a dollar to be made. Is, is, or, or is, have people approached you with like s- sponsors and stuff because you are who you are? Yeah, like you get that type of stuff all the time, but you know the thing is, you you really have to when when someone invites themselves or or invites you to be part of a company, you have to make sure that the mission of that company aligns with who you are. Yeah, like and it's a lot of stuff I'm just not willing to endorse. Um, you know the few companies that I do that I do put out there as sponsors. Um. They're they're really into the same stuff I'm into. They promote what the same stuff I promote. They're not into, you know, anything shady or anything that's going for if if I have to question myself from being involved with the company or it brings questions at me that I don't want to answer, that I don't feel comfortable answering, then I probably shouldn't be involved with this company. So, you know, it's one of those things where you know, you know, most and you just put it out there in the air, most athletes get paid in some way, shape, or form for being sponsored. But, you know, all money ain't good money. Yeah. So well said. Well said. Um I know Gary I know for Gary, this is low hanging fruit, how coaching means so much and seeing like helping people achieve their goals. And I've had so many people on here who are athletes and coaches. And um, you know, it's I've asked them what means more like the coaching or some of the events you've done yourself, been involved with yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, Ray, what do you feel like in terms of what you get from coaching and then what you get as an athlete, how, like what's the difference there in terms of uh, what it means to you? Like, do you see yourself in the future being a coach? Is that like a dream job in powerlifting as well as football, like following the steps of a Matt Gary? Um, just those last words, following the steps of um, Coach Gary, um, to follow such steps, you know, you, you need some big shoes because, um, you know, it, you know, I've, I've been powerlifting since 2012 and, um, a lot of people that I dealt with prior to Coach Gary, you know, they were only concerned about the numbers. You know, it's kind of like a police car. You know, they get rolled hard and put away wet. You know, with with no kind of, with no consideration for, you know, like the the overall health of of you know the person you're dealing with. You know, like I can honestly say with Coach Gary, it's never been about the numbers. Like, I've been impressed so many times. Like, Canada was. I can probably say the most impressed I've ever been. Like, we're sitting here. Um, I didn't get the squat I wanted. I was, you know, I was I was butthurt about the squat. But, you know, like, I've been with Coach Gary long enough to where he knows how to get me back in, in game mode. Like, look, like, I know you messed up right now. I know you're frustrated, but look at me. Like, we got a game plan. And it's going to hurt a lot more if you stay upset and we don't finish this race, yeah. it's going to sting a lot more than missing that squat. So, you know, okay, so we get back on track. And then it comes down to the last deadlift. 
and he whips out the pocket calculator and he types in some stuff. Like, we can win by point, tenth of point, point, hundredth of a point if you hit this. And, like, I'm sitting up there like, you just did this. Like, I was so impressed. Yeah, that's right. Like, You're the real MVP, Coach. That, that's, cra- yeah, that's crazy, like, that's Coach Gary. And, and he says it to me all the time. It's not always the strongest dude that wins the meet. It's the smartest. And, you know, me just being smart. I can honestly say when I get to a meet, all I got to worry about is execution. The numbers, all that stuff has already been done for me. Mm. Like, when I get to meet, it's totally stress-free. Yeah. Like, once I put my headphones on and we start warming up, all I got to worry about is execution. And I look around the warm-up room and I see lifters that are all over the place. You know, they're trying to figure stuff up. And I'm sitting here like, I ain't got to do none of that. Yeah. I just got to execute. Like, Coach Gary does all that. So, you know, I can only hope to be to somebody else one day what he's been to me, which is, you know, he's the true MVP. He's the true winner. He's the true champion because, like I said, everything is already calculated, figured up, and pretty much wrapped up when we show up. All I got to do is execute. How much easier is that to perform? I, I don't got to tell you, Gary. I've seen, I've, seen, um, I've seen you handle Sam Calhoun. I've seen you handle, like, I remember talking to you about Sam Calhoun, and I remember watching the stream, be like, Matt can can pull, like, every single ounce, every last third attempt, Sam was, like, an RP10, didn't have another half kilo winner, and you guys got the exact amount you needed out of her for her to win, uber competitive 63 kilo class, um, you know, just the, the preparation I know you put into this, Matt, when you show up to, like, whether it's Nationals or the World's. And then I was there in Calgary when Ray had missed a squat, and you could see in Ray, he, he was frustrated. Everybody could see he had the expression on his face like, oh, my God, I thought that was low enough. And you knew, like, all right, give him, give him, give him a second. It's good to express. it be like, that's good. And we got game time, though. It's not over yet. You know, you know, it's all part of being a coach that I think some people might not even – a lot of people think it is just numbers, like Ray said. And it's more than just crunching numbers. You know, how much of that do you take? Because you were, you crunch, and believe me, you crunch numbers like I know, like I've never seen. Like when, when Ray was talking about breaking out the calculator, knowing all this, when we have you, when we have you on those preview shows, we know you know you are so thoroughly prepared, it's ridiculous. Like you know everything about these lifters. You know their failure rates, success rates. But then on top of that, to know the motivational side. You know when the, when the push, you know when the pull back, you know, pull back a little, knowing the push. Um, maybe give us like a piece of that in terms of the coaching because it is, it's like like Ray said, it's hard to teach that. It's, it's is it intuitive? Like where did you learn that? Well, man, that's a really good question. It's tough uh, because because you can't learn that. Like anyone can crunch numbers, anyone can write programs, but you're. It's weird when you get a guy like you. It's different, you know. It's a little. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I'm just honored by your words, both of you guys. I mean, you, you guys flatter me and, and make me out to be better than I am, but I, I really appreciate your kind, kind words. Uh, I just, you got to understand something that you're dealing with people and you're dealing with human beings. And so, you know, and these human beings have, have, uh, uh personalities of their own and, and, and goals and aspirations. And, and I never want to lose sight of that. And so I, I try my best to come in as absolutely as thoroughly prepared as we can possibly be. And I want to navigate 
every single potential scenario or blind spot that that could possibly occur at a competition, particularly at a national or world championships where there's so much on the line. And so just just in the situation of using Ray as an example last year in Calgary, uh, where his you know squats were turned down and 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 didn't meet the standard and and he was frustrated and and rightfully so and 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 he's a competitor and he wants to be the best version of himself every single time he steps into the arena and onto the platform and so I think as a coach you have to allow the 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 athlete to to take a moment to process that you have to allow them to be upset to be angry and and give them a few minutes to to process and get that out of their system and so I'll you know allow a lifter to do that and 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 give them a moment first to process on their own and then be there to process with them and to discuss that and then as Ray said, it's it's time to move on. You know, mm. we've got a we've got a yeah. tie a ribbon around that, and it's time to bench. Yeah, you know, because we we've got two events left, and uh, you know, you're not winning a world championship. You know, with with one lift there, you you got to go in and you got to make some benches and you got to make some squats, and we can salvage the day. I know you're frustrated, but so I just try to you know put him in a better frame of mind, and I would do the same thing for any other lifter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, 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 and I'm fortunate that I'm just blessed by, by people who just execute exceptionally well, you know, the Sam Calhouns and, and the Susie Hartwig Gary's and Ray Williams and Bryce Lewis and all these other wonderful people that I've I had the opportunity to coach. They just, they execute at such a high level that they, they make me look good. And so, you know, as Ray said, all he's got to do on game day is execute. My job is to handle everything else. And yeah. so a good coach, the good coach alleviates the pressure and the anxiety or reduces it as much as possible by handling everything else. So that's my job. I'm supposed to handle everything else but and does let that, him focus on his execution. That must, But does that put that pressure and anxiety on yourself? Do you feel I'll ta- that? I'll, I'll take it every single time. Yeah. Every yeah. single time. Let me have it. Yeah, you got to be that shield. It's I was tough. Say, and that's a sign of a good coach right there. And that's the thing. At the end of a world championship, when you've been through so many weight classes and ha- and been through so many battles, and some of those are close, how exhausted are you? Uh, Emotionally, I'm, physically? I'm, fr- I'm fried. <laughs> I yeah. bet. And it finishes yeah. with Ray. It finishes with the biggest of all, like the, like yeah. some of the stress. And, you know, it's tough. Yeah. It's but it's, t- it's, a, it's, it's a labor of love, and I'm, and I'm blessed by good people. And I'm and and I love every single you know the lifters that I'm fortunate enough and blessed enough to work with. Uh, as I said, I care about them and they care about me, and it's just it's it's wonderful. I'm just absolutely blessed. You so. would almost have to know, you know, you keep in contact with Ray so much. You would almost have to, in order to be able to on game day read him, understand where he's at, know what he needs to hear, and get him back on track. If you didn't know him like you knew him. You, you, it would be baloney. If you just met me at the Worlds and you're trying to give me a pep talk, and I, I could be like, my man, I, I you know, it could, it's not working. We're, like, it, you need to know somebody to be able to pull them aside and be like, okay, you're good. You had your moment. We got to do this. We got to do that. And I'm with you because you're Matt, and I know you, and we're, we're, we're in on this. Whereas if you were just a guy who showed up on game day and you're going to share the light with me, but you do, you weren't there with me in the trenches gutting it out. You weren't keeping track with me. It's different, right? And some people, they want to show up at the, at the end. They want to show up at the finish line and walk across that finish line with you, but it's, it's a little different, right? It's, it's a harder investment to be a coach coach, a real coach, not a number yeah, runner. 
And at the end of the day, Ray knows that I have his best interests at heart. And yeah. Ray knows that our relationship is built built on on love and family and trust and communication and mutual respect. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you have those things and that our values are in line, our values are the same, and 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 he knows that that I would never intentionally put him in harm's way. Mm-hmm. And and my first and foremost objective is to keep him healthy. Yeah. And so that's that's always at the forefront of my mind. And, and so, and, and, and that will always be at the forefront of my mind forever and ever. Uh, mm-hmm. I will never intentionally put him in harm's way. So I don't feel the, I don't feel the pressure or the clamor or the, the banging of the drum for any specific number. Yeah. I find zero emotional attachment. I'm going to give him an, uh, an objective feedback loop, if you will, an objective voice of reason and understanding when he comes off that platform. I respect his goals. I love his goals because his goals become my goals. His mm-hmm. goals become my objectives. They're shared objectives. They're shared and unified goals. And we're both trying to get to the same place. Uh, but by the same token, I need to be that objective voice of reason when the adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. And I, and I feel like I'm able to do that. And, and he respects that. And I, and I respect him too. You know? It, it so. takes a great deal of, of trust and communication to sometimes you could feel so much pressure. Let's say they're like, this is the meat. This is the meat for a thousand. And you don't see it that meat. And you put your hand on the shoulder and say, my friend, not this one. I yeah. don't like what I'm seeing. It's not, you know, that the amount of a, the ability to communicate, but trust on both ends to be like, I, we, we, who care? I, I care not what the pressure is and people want to see. We're going to, we're going to get the win. We're going to get whatever's on the plate today and we're going to eat food next time. You know, it's, it's, uh, my analogies aren't as good as you guys. I've noticed <laughs> you, you guys are murdering my drive. You're falling way behind. No, I fell behind. Give me a minute guys. I'm not up there yet, but, uh, no, 100%. And let me say, let the rain continue. Cause you guys have, are just creating powerlifting history together. Um, and yeah, you can't break up the dream team. That's for sure. Um, nothing's breaking up the band. Listen, we've been doing this for an hour and 45 minutes and I look, I'm so glad I had you two on together. This was the best idea you two together. Um, I mean, it made it, this, this conversation flowed so easy. I'm glad Ray came on massive name in the sport. And, um, I'm glad people get to see his personality. You know, and get to yeah. hear him talk on these yeah. things. And um, a, a great speaker. Thank you both for coming on first off. Um, a, uh, how, is there anybody you guys want to thank before I let you go? Whoever wants to go first? Go right ahead, Ray. Um, I mean, if I, if I actually started thanking everybody, we'd yeah. be here for a long, long time. <laughs> Another so, hour for you know, a of course, you know, I've got to thank Coach Gary. Got to thank my, uh, my, my, um, well, Coach Gary and Miss Susie because, you know, like you don't get one without the other. Yeah. Um, and my sponsors and, you know, my family. And, you know, like, you know, it, it's hard when you have to thank people because everybody who knows me yeah, and who knows and knows I care about them know that, you know, they're important. So, you know, I, I you know, if if I love you, you know I love you, and I thank you. You know so, what? There that's, you go. That's actually well said because anyone who's important should already know, and you let them know yeah. anyways, right? That is true. Uh, how about yourself, Matt? I mean, he probably just laid it up right there perfect. 
<laughs> he, he did. Yeah, I would. Right? I would just echo Ray's sentiments, and I just, I just thank Ray for the opportunity to, to be his, uh, his friend and his, his family member and and his coach, and and I just look forward to to many more opportunities to stepping into the arena and not onto the platform with him. So I and and I and I say this with all sincerity: his best is yet to, yet to come, and I absolutely guarantee it. I cannot, Ray? I cannot wait. That is probably yeah. the perfect. Send off anyone listening, uh, Sweden and beyond. And and with that, gentlemen, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. And I'll see you boys in Sweden. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Thank guys. You. Thank All you. All right. Wowzers. My friend, look at where uh, I first off, just starting off with, I'm glad we got Matt. Um, I love talking about the sports history. I wasn't kidding when I said that was like. All jokes aside, like we love having our funny intros, and that's my favorite intro by far. It, it's you Matt, know, it, it's funny how Matt at one point actually seemed um, a little sheepish. He like he caught himself in one second, and be like, "Oh shit, I'm the old guy reliving the old stories." And then we're like, "No, no, 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 keep talking, please." Yeah, because it, I mean, those are the guys like some of the gyms you go to. Like as Matt said, like having Kirk's posters up on the wall. Like when I worked out of the vault, same thing. Yeah. Kirk's there and Eddie Cohen's there and there's big banners. But you, short of the odd little clip here and there, like you don't really hear the stories about those guys anymore. It's I loved when he talked about Captain Kirk Kowalski. <laughs> and if you guys haven't seen him, Google him. Uh, good luck putting Kowalski. Put Captain yeah. Kirk powerlifting. Uh, easy yeah, enough. Good, and good, you'll get Good luck not getting anything about Captain Kirk. No, ca- yeah. pa- Captain Kirk powerlifting, you'll get it. Yeah, okay. And, um, and, Seriously, the guy looks like freaking the Incredible Hulk. First off, absolutely massive, and um, it's a he would when he's in there. And this is if this is the eighties, yeah, you would have like this. Think about in the eighties, there was no internet and whatnot. Think about that. So if you heard a guy in town was taking like a thousand pounds for a double, and a guy like literally was like straight up a comic book, and there wasn't internet, there wasn't there was like five channels on TV. Seriously, there's so few channels. I exaggerate, but there wasn't a lot. So yes, if he was in town, you might drive across town and be like, fuck it. I want there's a guy who's a multiple time yeah, worker, like, probably strongest man in the world, is in town. Yeah, I'm gonna if, drive across town. It's Tuesday squat night, I'm there. Even if he wasn't the strongest guy in the world. He's one of them. I was gonna say, A, he's one of them. B, how often do you get a chance to see something like that? You like, would if you as knew as far as your kids know or you know or anybody else that knows the sports knows. Yeah. You know, snow a thousand pounds is really fucking heavy. Yeah. If 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 this was a twenty minute drive on a Tuesday and there's five channels on TV, and none of them on a Tuesday night struck your fancy. And you, you, you drive 20 minutes. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to work out anyways. I'll drive out of the way. I don't, I'm fucking man, I drive an hour just to be there. Check it out. And yeah, like, you know, gyms, you have to pay like 20 bucks to get in. Yeah. Well, it's 25 today because Captain Kirk's got a squat day. And, and I know we're going to get 20 people. And parking's 10 bucks. And guess what? We also got a concession stand and selling beer. We're fully licensed now on Tuesday nights. But you can save 25% on... Fusion supplements. <laughs> oh, is that, you know, I almost forgot about the promo code. Let me squeeze in there. I don't want to, I want to get right back to what we're saying here. I know, I'm just kidding. I just had to throw All right, let's wait, let's wait. You know what? Yeah, continue. Let's, let, let's continue. But, um, but yeah, I love those stories, man. And, and, and Gary's been around and he's met these guys. Mad. And, uh, well, Coach Gary. Yes. Uh, I can always, <laughs> if you got two first names, I'm going to switch it up on you. But, um, no, but honestly, man, he's, he's, 
he, he was around for the like the Larry Pacifico era in the 70s. And the 70s was like a grimy era. They had uh, Bill Kazmar and, um, you know, they, it, like they had, that was a, a huge era in and of its own. And a lot of those guys, if you're big enough, if you're the heavyweights like Bill Kazmar, you were not only winning IPF World Championship titles, then you moved into World's Strongest Man. And in the 80s, you had uh, Captain Kirk, um, Ed, and a bunch of other guys like that. And then, you know, Captain Kirk bled into the 90s as well. Then late 90s, early 2000s, kind of a dark era. Kind of a dark era. It was just a little bit. Yeah, there wasn't very much talk about the guys at that time. A lot of those guys left. The big names that dropped, a lot of them left. Um, and there, yeah, it, it just, things started getting weird with multiply division was a thing. It started, like, guys started going from, A, the single ply during the 80s, 90s was very loose. Yeah, it was like and, a denim shirt. Actually. Yeah, it was loose. And then, uh, Towards the end of the 90s, early 2000s, it got the single ply stuff, got tighter and tighter and started, there was a disconnect. People, you could put your arms down when you put a bench shirt on, took three guys to get your equipment on, yada, yada. Yep. And then for a little while, there were some federations who went multi-ply. So they had like three layers and their ridiculous level got to the point where, hey, this guy's benching a th- over a thousand pounds, but he was wearing something that looked like four straight jackets and nobody could relate and nobody got into yeah. it. And it started suffocating the sport and, and rolled us back in terms of the, the national attention. And then, um, you know, we, we, we dwindled in that for a while. And then, uh, and then we, we had the resurgence when the classic division opened up. And after the, when that happened, you would have guys like Ray Williams who probably, you know, Ex-football players sitting around watching a guy bench a thousand pounds with a weird suit on might not grab him. But when he sees someone squatting, he can wrap his head around that. Yep. Hey, I could squat a little bit. How crazy is it that from 20 to 26, yeah, he would have no idea. He was just spinning his wheels. He wasn't regressing in life. He was probably making a buck doing his thing. But he would have no idea. And he was burning up years that he could have been, you know, killing the game. And that's where he said, looking back, you know, but, if but all, I, that's, 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 it's that's one of those everybody. Where you can't look back though, because if you had started at 20 and was lifting 20 to 26, who knows if he's still lifting now, who knows if he's healthy now, right? It, you can't rewrite yeah. the past. You have to accept what is and, and like, whatever he ended up coming. There wasn't raw lifting at the time. He came around when raw lifting started coming on. Yeah. He probably wasn't going to go equipped. So it is what it is. It's exactly. just, he's it's just right. funny he's, to think though. That seriously, the next guy who could be the world's best might be not doing too much right now. Doesn't not even thinking about it. And he's he's in his twenties, in his athletic prime, and he hasn't even started the sport. He could be thirty four and sitting across from you. <laughs> Probably. Wait a second, I'm thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! And you could that sport I, might be out there. Exactly. It's not powerlifting. <laughs> you go, you son of a bitch. I but mean, but you, try soccer. I was gonna say you're not joking though. <laughs> Did you pick soccer just because of Metallica? I don't. You I, racist I, I asshole. My friend, it's the first why thing that pops in. Why I must know. you be stereotyped? I feel just so terrible when I do that. Every goddamn time is a stereotype towards yes, me. It's so terrible. It's gotta be so hard. Thank God you're Italian and it's somewhat okay. But, um, I don't know what that means. That, that, but yeah, I don't know why I just forgave it because you're Italian. Just because I'm Italian doesn't you, make it so, any less you, racist you go, and you go, you go, hey, asshole, I still have feelings. Yeah. I'm Italian. I'm not That's, dead inside. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? I go, well, you know, you're Italian. It's fine to yeah, say these things. But, like, but, um, but, um, yeah. Any, and on that note, KOTL25, FusionMuscle.com, and use... Promo code KOTL25. And listen, everybody, I mean it. I'm so happy Ray Williams came on the show because 
I didn't know all the side of him. We, I don't, I don't know any. No, I've never heard him on a podcast. This, I've never heard on a podcast. Period. I think he was on one the other one, the, uh, Mark Bell's. Yeah, and that's it. And I don't know if he's on this long. It opened up because we got him. He didn't come to a studio and meet us somewhere. We got him at home on his couch, relaxed with with his brother from another mother, Matt Gary, who's family to him. Yeah. And we, he opened up and felt like I never. He was talking so freely about you know joking around and just. No, it didn't seem it didn't seem labored at all. I, that's why I'm like, you know, everybody, if you hear this, share this. Let people know. A guy like Ray Williams, I want people to see the side. I, I've, I've been commentating for a few years now. I'm not, I, people are like, oh, quit bringing it up. But honestly, you, I've seen him perform live so many times, and I never knew he was like this guy. Like, you yeah. see him for a different person. I, he's, he's a normal dude. You know, and you get it. He's an old dude that squats a thousand pounds. But, but it, like, it's when he talks, like, if you didn't see him and know who he was when he's talking there, yeah. And um, I think people should see the side of the guys like Ray Williams. You know, I think people I, should. I don't, and, and I don't think you can sum it up any better than that. Yeah. So, by all means, seriously, put this in your Instagram stories and tell people about it and give us high ratings. And, um, yeah, we'll share it. You give us big ups, we'll give you big ups right back and share it because um, I think everybody should be hearing these episodes and... And, um, you know, here and, and yep. Matt Gary, we got to have him on for our uh, preview show, which is turning into the Matt Gary show pretty yep. soon. Well, it's, yeah, we, it's Matt Gary making his picks and us agreeing. It's, we we almost got to um, throw our picks down first and not let Matt go first because we're just going to back off. And, yeah, but then I'm just going to change my picks to Matt. That's, yeah, that's, well, that's right. Mean, that's yeah. the right role. I'm also think, I'm thinking about having someone else as well on making picks. Um Maybe the strength guys. They got a lot of people. Yep. And um, a lot of people, super smart coaches. And like, and and they think well the world. They also the think the world of Matt Gary. You talk to them, they can't stop talking about my, Matt Gary as well. And um, in terms of s- smart, these guys freaking. Um, I mean, they sports science. They throw out templates. Throw out just straight up. Here's an RP seven. Hope it works. These guys are like crunching numbers. They're taking this all to a whole nother level of professionalism. Um, and uh, one of them, uh, Trombley, is going working with uh, the fly, the Calgary Flames, sorry, uh, yeah. the NHL team. So these guys are like the top of the forefront. And they are absolute, they love it. They are like powerlifting nerds like Matt Gary. Like I love powerlifting. These guys make it look like I, I, I like I'm a casual fan, yeah. the way they crunch numbers and dissect and know the percentages of whatever competition they're facing. You know, the percentage of his, him hitting his third deadlift when when this previous opponent went nine for nine. Did you know that that percentage is actually... No, I didn't, man. No. Nobody knows that shit. I would be you guys are crazy. If, I wouldn't be surprised if they know how a certain athlete performs at a certain altitude with a certain <laughs> humid right. pressure. Like he probably, he probably put his hand on your shoulder. He'd be like, like, be like, be like, Paul, do you feel that? Yeah, I feel the, I feel the emotion too. He goes, no, no, son, no, son, no. son, son, son. It's 22 degrees room temperature Celsius. No. Did you know that? 22, Paul. Do you know what that means? His percentage just went down 0. 0.35. <laughs> he goes, 0.35, Paul. Watch, Paul, watch Paul, this. Paul, 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 listen, Paul, Paul, follow me. Do you know what that does to his Wilkes? You're like, I, if I, get, I don't know what you're Wilkes talking about. Wilkes isn't even a thing anymore. <laughs> he goes, he goes, Paul, follow me. Do you know what that does to his IPF points? So, no, the whole vibe. He knows listen, everything. Listen, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> exactly. That's, exactly, that's all he's saying to us at this point. It's like, he's like, listen, Paul, you're an embarrassment. That's right. You're an embarrassment <laughs> to the sport, to the, your team, to King of the Lifts. The, these, these fellas, uh, yeah, they, they take it to a whole nother. And on top of that, if you don't know the strength guys, um, the names under their belt, Taylor Atwood, multiple-time world champion, Eli Burks, 
future world champion? Quite possibly. He's a former. I was going to say former world champion. He won in 2016, and he wants his title back. He's in his division. He's a bit of a four, uh, front runner. I don't know if he's going to be pressed. But you never know. Battles come out of nowhere. And, and these nominations, you throw them out the window when it comes and to game I will day. never count out our boy Eric Willis, so. Um, Eric Willis, yeah. Well, or, oh, yes, that's right. Eric Willis is in there. That's right. How can I possibly forget? Uh, wait. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm throwing around. Where, You're no, right. no, no. 120 is Eric Willis and Eli's oh, 105. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, I'm throwing it off. Okay. Yeah. But you can't count out Eric Willis. Okay, nice recovery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice recovery, dude. Listen, we're, no, you we're, go, you we're, go, we're at like you two go. hours. Nobody's listening at this point anyways. You go, you go no, I was throwing out a random fact. I wasn't yeah. trying to say, I wasn't. I didn't get my facts wrong. I just throw some, hey, you also can't count out the Raptors in game seven or yeah. game six. I mean, Can I quickly say real quick, yeah, we're at two fucking hours. We're going to wrap up in two seconds. Please, the Raptors are goddamn killing it. Um, and talking about nominations, throw out nominations because this is sports. The Raptors lost to the Bucks. Four out of five times in the regular season, the Bucks had the best record going into the playoffs. And look at me now, three, two, and the, it's true sports. I, I like honestly going into worlds when you look at nominations, people. Sports, it's not just the nominations. Throw that out. When it's head-to-head, we've seen it enough times. When it's head-to-head and emotion comes into play, it's a completely different case. And so much can happen in training. So much can happen in flight. And because it's only one day, you can't even be afforded a bad day. That's tough. In, a game, in seven games, you could be afforded a couple bad days, still win. Powerlifting, the world championships, you can't even have a bad day. That's what wraps my head. I can't, like, Ray Williams hasn't had a bad day. Like, like when I, I've been injured where I'm like, Which, people have been injured and have to pull out in the whole nine. Ray doesn't even miss a Nationals or Worlds. He hasn't missed one from injury with all the weight he's tossed around. How many times he tossed around 1,000 pounds? Hasn't missed a world or a nationals true, yet. Which is a true testament to Ray and a true testament to Matt. How the hell coach. is that physically possible? You haven't missed a national world yet with the type of weight you're throwing around, let alone showing up and be like, woof, God knows what's going to happen today. And, and you're still killing it. Yep. It's off day, still killing it. Like that's just consistency, that's Iron Man stuff. You know, and yeah, it is a testament to both Ray's will and, and Matt's programming and Ray's attention to yep. the program. Exactly. Whew. Anyways, okay. Thank you for tuning in. From Six Pack Lapidat. And Palmer Anzan Lifts. Peace.